Welcome to a new episode of Men's Bible Study. Today, Pastor John Mark Caton joins us to deliver a message as we start a new series titled, I Fix Stuff. What I break, he fixes. Now, let's hear from John Mark. All right, boys, good to be back with you. Uh, I've been out a little bit with uh, Israel trip, and then I got my knee fixed, had to get my knee fixed so I could go skiing. Uh, so um, in four to six weeks, I'll be back to good and uh, be hitting the slopes. So come join us if you want to. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a good time in the mountains. Whether you ski or not, uh, just hanging out with the guys is a great thing. Uh, as I thought about coming, what would I say when I came back? You know, this is time of the year. Uh, that we talk a lot about a lot of different things, but one of them is Bethlehem. How many of you have heard of that little town of Bethlehem, right? Uh, and, and we're going to talk about it actually this Sunday. And um, we, when we went to Israel, had the opportunity to go to Bethlehem and had the opportunity to go to the Church of the Nativity and uh, actually walk to the spot where they believe uh, was where Jesus was actually born. Now, whether, whether that's the actual spot or not, we don't know. Uh, but we do know it was there in Bethlehem. So what I thought I'd do today uh, is to give you a fuller understanding and knowledge of how important this city is through the Bible. Uh, because by the time of the New Testament, um, this city of David, and I'm going to tell you why it's called the city of David here in a few minutes, had lost a little bit of its luster. It, it was not the town uh, that it had been in the past. It had kind of lost its luster. It literally was... You know, the place where the shepherds kind of keep their fields, uh, their, their flocks out in the fields at night. That's all Bethlehem was. But it wasn't always that way. Uh, if you journey through, and we're going to look at some major events, and I actually chose some man events uh, that, uh, that took place in Bethlehem through the years. But if you go to, if you go to Jerusalem, uh, about five miles southwest of Jerusalem is a place called Bethlehem. It's about uh, 2,500 uh, feet above sea level. Uh, it is very fertile land. We're about 700, I think, feet above sea level here. So it's kind of a plateau. It's beautiful. Uh, the climate there is really mild. Um, yeah, lots of rainfall. Uh, lots of fertile ground. It is a beautiful place out in the fields. And so that's kind of the city that is there. Uh, there is a church of the nativity that is there uh, right now. And that took place because when Constantine, uh, the Roman emperor, when he got saved, uh, his mom said, and she began to read the story, and she says, you know what? We need to go to this place called Bethlehem. And so he went, Constantine went with his mom. They went to Bethlehem, this little town. They found the site, the traditional place, where they said Jesus was buried here. And so Constantine's mom basically said, you're going to build me a church right here. And so if you go there, you will go and see the Church of the Nativity. And that's Constantine's mom basically dragging the emperor by the ear and saying, you know what, you need to acknowledge where your Savior uh, was birth, was born. And so that's why you have the Church of the Nativity there. And so uh, as you think about by the time that Jesus was born there, this little town had lost its luster. It wasn't Jerusalem. It wasn't some of the great cities. And now we understand that Jesus is referred to as Jesus of Nazareth. Well, why wasn't he referred to as Jesus of Bethlehem? Well, because his line and lineage and family was from Nazareth, but they had to make the journey. We're going to look at that this week in Luke chapter 2. But down to Bethlehem. 
And so let's look at this city, and I want to invite you, if you have your app open, your Bible open, uh, let me just journey with you a few places through the Old Testament. So when you hear uh, the song, Little Town of Bethlehem, or when you hear a preacher or you read a devotion that talks about Bethlehem, I want you to know that this place didn't just show up in Luke chapter 2. It didn't just happen when Herod uh, delivered the edict in Matthew chapter 2 that all the boys, two and under, from the, listen, area around Bethlehem should be killed. That you will know that this little town, though in the New Testament time it lost its luster, it had a strong, long lineage uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, if you want to jump to your first verse, if you go to Genesis chapter 35, verse 19, this is the first time in Scripture that Bethlehem, is mentioned at all and here's what it says so Rachel died and was buried on the way uh, to uh, Ephra and it says which is Bethlehem that is the very first time it is mentioned how many of you remember the story um, of Jacob and Rachel and Leah right Leah was the preferred wife is his favored wife uh, Leah was the one he got after working for seven years thinking he's working for the one that was pretty the one that he loved, and all of a sudden Laban on his wedding night did a little switcheroo on him and said, oh, I forgot to tell you, yes, you, uh, you will get one of my daughters, but it would be inappropriate. It would not be against tradition that I would give you the younger daughter. And so instead of getting Rachel, the one that he wanted, um, it, it says that he ended up giving, Laban ended up giving away the older daughter, Leah. And man, Leah and Rachel just kind of rejected her and uh, discounted her all of her life but if you look at Leah's life she actually turns out to be more faithful than Rachel was if you look at God's kingdom and God's grace just the way she carried herself but it says that eventually if you look in Genesis chapter 35 verse 19 it says that Rachel died in Bethlehem now in this time I want you to know the Philistines are in charge uh, this is not, uh, the Israelites are not in charge. Uh, this is early on as you go through the church fathers uh, and uh, you see what's taking place. But this is the first time it's mentioned. So if, you ever, if ever, anyone ever asked you, hey, when is Bethlehem first mentioned in the Bible? This is the passage. This is the passage that Rachel died near Bethlehem. All right, here, let me give you a second thought if you jump forward a little bit. How many of you remember someone called uh, Ruth and Naomi? Remember that story? All right, go to Ruth chapter 1. Let me show you something about Naomi. This is fast forward. There was a mention in Judges uh, about a Levite taking a concubine from uh, Bethlehem, and it ended up causing uh, uh, a, a number of people to get slaughtered because it took place. But we're going to skip over that. You can find that in Judges. But in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, Here's the next time you will see uh, Bethlehem mentioned. It says, in those days when the judges ruled, this is back in the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. So, Beth, so a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife uh, and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was El uh, Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons, down to verse 3. Uh, they married Moabite women. One was named, not Oprah, Orpah, and the other was named Ruth, and they had lived about 10 years there. But then notice what it says, also her sons died, and Naomi was left without two of her sons and her husband. So here's what happened. 
if you go to that story, Naomi and her husband were all from Bethlehem. They happened to have a famine in the land, so they journeyed from Bethlehem over to Moab. They have two sons. Their two sons married two Moabite women. Not only does a husband die, but then also the two sons die. And so you have Naomi left with two Moabite daughters-in-law. And her only response is, I've got to go back to my home. Well, where is my home? Now, this is important. Where's her home? It's not Moab. It's Bethlehem. And one of the things we all love to do when we get the opportunity to do it uh, here around Thanksgiving uh, and as well as Christmas, oftentimes we like to go home. And, and, and Naomi was so hurt and so crushed after losing everyone that she loved. She says, I'm going to go back home. Well, where's home? Home is back in Bethlehem. She's got two Moabite daughter-in-laws. So jump down uh, in verse 15. And so Naomi said, look uh, to her daughter-in-law, says, listen, I don't have a husband. I don't have sons. No one can take care of me. So here's what she says in verse 15. It says, look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law uh, is going back, talking to, talking to Ruth. Go back to your people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, all right, this is important because she's ultimately going to end up being in the line and the lineage of Jesus Christ from this moment on. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And where uh, you are buried, there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me. I love this. Be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. It says, when Naomi realized Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her and let her go. Look at verse 19. So the two, two women went on, and they came to Bethlehem. So here we are again. All right? We've seen that Rachel... Uh, the preferred uh, wife of Jacob was buried in this place in Bethlehem. It was, in that season, in that time, the stronghold of the Philistines. You see also Naomi was from Bethlehem, went to Moab during the time of the famine. God told him not to do that. Naomi's husband and two sons died, but she collected a Moabite daughter-in-law. And that Moabite daughter-in-law named Ruth went back with her to Bethlehem. And so now as you pick it up, it says, so the two women went back until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women explained, exclaimed, can this be Naomi returning? And notice what Naomi says. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has left my life very bitter. I went away full but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The all God, Almighty of God has given me this misfortune. Now, so here, here's the deal. Guys, there are seasons, there are times in our lives that we have the same kind of experience. That sometimes we can walk away, we can go away. We can feel like, man, there was a day when things were going well. When I was full. My health was good, my relationships were good, my kids were good, my job was good. There were seasons when I was full. But it seems like God has now brought me back empty. Can I just encourage you with this story from Bethlehem? 
that doesn't mean that God doesn't still have a plan for your life. Doesn't mean that God is not going to bring back the fullness again and the joy again and the encouragement again. You say, did that happen in Naomi's life? Absolutely. Uh, jump to uh, Ruth chapter 2, verse 2. Jump, jump one chapter forward. And so remember what I told you about the climate uh, in, in Bethlehem. All around Bethlehem, fertile fields. This is important, all right? Fertile fields, wonderful place to graze, wonderful place uh, to grow crops, wonderful place to feed sheep. And so here we are in Ruth chapter 2, verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, so Ruth says, listen, we got to eat something. All right, Mom, we got to eat something. He says, let me go out into the fields, the fertile fields just outside of Bethlehem, pick up uh, the leftover grain uh, behind anyone whose eyes I can find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and she entered the field and began to glean behind all of the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to a man named Boaz, who was also from the clan of Elimelech. So remember, Elimelech leaves because there's one of those uh, rare famines in Moab, takes his wife to Moab his, and two sons. His wife and two sons, he dies there. His two sons marry Moabite women. They die, and then all of a sudden one comes back. Where do they come back to? The fertile fields of Bethlehem. And so here you have Boaz out there. And notice what it says, verse 4. It says, just then, Boaz, so she's gleaning in a field that is owned by a man that is part of the clan of her father-in-law who is now dead, whose mother-in-law she followed back to the place. And so it says, just then, verse 4, this dude named Boaz arrived from where? Bethlehem. All right? Bethlehem. We're looking at this city that's lost its luster by the time uh, of the New Testament, but it didn't in the Old Testament. And greeted the harvesters, the Lord be with you, the Lord bless you. And they answered him, uh, and they answered him the same way, Lord bless you. Look at verse 5. Boaz asked the overseers of the harvesters, um, who does this young woman belong to? So he noticed in the fields outside of Bethlehem, there is a new girl in my field. All right. And he goes, who is this? So, Bo, you know the story, uh, uh, chapter 3, uh, Boaz marries her. Now jump forward to 4. Naomi left full, came back to Bethlehem empty. The Lord has allowed that affliction to come her way. Look at what God does in Ruth chapter 4. It says, so Boaz took Ruth, uh, and she became his wife. Um, when he made love to her, that enabled her to conceive, have a child. They give birth to a child. Look at verse 14. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, uh, to this, who to this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become you and one who makes you famous throughout all of Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, this Moabite, who loves you, who is better for you than seven sons potentially, has given you this gift. Now jump forward to verse 16. It says, Then Naomi took the child in her arms, cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. All right, so you see the line. 
here we are. We're headed towards, now Bethlehem is called the city of David. Now, fast forward to 1 Samuel chapter 16. What else took place? They, as Bethlehem is the place after the children of Israel had gone through the season of the judges where God finally allowed them, agreed to give them a king, a king called Saul, that first king. How many of you remember that? Remember Samuel the prophet and God said, you don't want a king? Why did he say you don't want a king? They're going to tax you to death. Anybody say, thank you, God, uh, for telling the truth at least. They're going to take your sons. You're going to take your daughters. You're going to rob you. They're going to lie to you. And then you're still going to vote for them. All right. That wasn't exactly what it said. But uh, that's what took place. He says, so he gave him Saul. Why did they give him Saul? Remember the key? Why did they give him Saul? They wanted a ruler that looked more powerful than everybody else. See, sometimes men choose their leaders where God chooses leaders for a different reason. And so Saul has now gone so far away from God's way. Saul has ultimately begin to lead the people and in himself uh, in the wrong direction, God chooses another king. Another king that wouldn't be perfect, but that king would be a man after God's own heart. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. It says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, here we are back in Bethlehem, How long will you mourn Saul? Mourn for Saul. So here it is. God is, uh, uh, God is speaking to Samuel. Samuel is the prophet. Samuel is now mourning the fact uh, that a politician doesn't love Jesus. And God just kind of looks at the prophet and says, how long are you going to mourn about this and whine about this? He goes, I got an idea. Why don't you go down to Bethlehem and anoint one of Jesse's sons because I have rejected Saul, but I've got someone else. So here it is. The Lord answered Samuel. He says, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel uh, for for your horn, uh, fill your horn with oil. Be on your way. I am sending Jesse, sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now jump down to verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord had said. When he arrived in Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. And they asked, do you come in peace? Kind of interesting. Uh, the elders of Bethlehem all of a sudden see the prophet of God walking into the city gates. And they're like, wait. Uh, what did we do wrong? How many of you know that, right? You ever, you, ever, you ever felt that way? You ever had someone walk up into your life, maybe the boss shows up in your office and you go, whoa. Or, or maybe it's uh, when Justin uh, Hillhouse walks into uh, uh, your life group and you go, oh my. Yeah, or the deacons when Bambico shows up. You're like, what did we do wrong? They sent the bam. Uh, you know, there are those people in your life, right, that, that when they show up, you're just hoping it's good uh, and not bad. Well, that's what it was. So the elders of the town of Bethlehem said, do you come in peace? Or are you about to call down fire on us? Is there about to be something happen? Uh, and they said, hey, do you come in peace? So he went down, he arrived in Bethlehem. They said, do you come in peace? Look at verse 5. Samuel replied, yes, I come in peace. I've come to sacrifice uh, to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and all of his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel said to Eliab, and he, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before you. But it says, the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his outward appearance or his height. For I rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look, 
People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That statement was made right there in Bethlehem. Right there in that little town of Bethlehem. That God says, listen, men have a tendency to look on outward appearances. But God looks at the heart. And you remember the story. Jesse brought in one son, then another son, then another son, then another son, then another son. And finally, uh, Samuel, Samuel says, um, these all the sons you have? Jump down to verse 11. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending sheep out of the field. Samuel sent him there and sent for him, brought him back in. And notice verse 12. So he sent for him. And had brought him in. He was glowing with health and fine appearance and handsome features. Uh, then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. This is the one. And so he anointed him. Now remember, he doesn't become king for a while. All right, He's anointed, but he doesn't come, become king for a while. What takes place shortly after this? David just goes out in the field and keeps tending his flock. And then there's this big Philistine that is scaring all the children of Israel, and his name was Goliath. And the dad, Jesse, who sends the son who's anointed king to the battlefront, said, hey, listen, take some food, take some stuff to your brothers, and go out and meet this battlefield. But really, I want you to take some, fill, take some food and go see how your brothers are doing. So David shows up, he hears, hears this Philistine mocking the people of God and God himself. David says, I'll take care of this guy. You remember what his brothers did? All these brothers that were rejected in Bethlehem, they said, dude, why don't you go, don't you have some sheep you need to tend? Don't you need to go back uh, to your little sheep? And instead he ends up slaying Goliath. And then how many of you remember that David ended up with uh, a bunch of fighting men. So all of a sudden, David had this love-hate relationship with Saul. And from time to time, you would find David. He had his mighty men. How many of you have heard of David and his mighty men? Here's what you know. If you look in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 26, of his mighty men, there were 30 that were really mighty, and there were three that they were like the Navy SEAL dudes. And two of those dudes were from his hometown of Bethlehem. You don't think he didn't meet them somewhere on the corner someday, and they said, we're kind of with you. All right, so I think it's anyway interesting. But how would you like to have this name? Notice what it says. Two of his mighty warriors, First Chronicles chapter 11, verse uh, 26, it says, uh, the mighty warriors were, and gives a whole list of them, but here's to Ashel, the brother of Joab, uh, Elhanan, uh, son of Dodo. How, how many of you would like to be the son of Dodo? How many of you have just been called Dodo, right? So we know, here's what we know. David actually, when it comes to his fighting men, he goes back to his friends. How many of you have lifelong friends from your original hometown? That's exactly what you see here. This is the place. And so now let's jump forward. So David is, in, is constantly doing th two things. He's going out to fight the Philistines. He's going to battle the Philistines. And then from time to time, he'll have some great victory. He'll come back into town. The women will sing. And then Saul will get mad and want to kill him. Remember that story that repeats itself over and over and over and over again. There's one story. 
We all remember a cave story. One of my favorite cave stories. How many remember the cave story? Is uh, is when David is David and his men are up in a cave, and and then King Saul comes in to relieve himself, and David cuts the hem of his garment. How many of you remember that story? Let me give you another cave story that happens just outside of Bethlehem, and it's found in Second Samuel chapter twenty-three, and it's about Bethlehem, and it this in this time, the Philistines ran things in Bethlehem. The children of Israel, remember five miles away, the children of Israel, they ran things up in Jerusalem. But Bethlehem was a, had become a Philistine stronghold. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 23, see if any of you ever heard this story. It says, during the harvest time, remember fertile fields, three of the 30 chief warriors, David's three guys, came to David uh, in the cave of Agilom. While, he, uh, while there was a band of Philistines that were encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in, the strong, was in the stronghold in that cave, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. So now, in David's time, although this was his city, the Philistines basically ran Bethlehem. And David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would just get me a drink of water from the well that was near the gate of Bethlehem. Look at it in verse 16. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines. These three dudes said, can you imagine? Uh, David wants some water. Everybody looked at each other and said, okay. And three of them looked at each other and said, no, David wants some water. And they were like, let's go get the man some water. And so what do they do? It says these three dudes longed for water. Oh, that someone give me a drink of water. So three of these mighty warriors broke through the Philistines' lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, carried it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. All right, can you imagine this? You're one of these three dudes. All right? You're, three, you're, you're, you're one of the mighty warriors. And David says, man, I could, can't you just taste the sweet waters of the fertile land, the water of the well right there? Guys, don't y'all know what you're talking about? Wouldn't you just love to have a drink? And three guys look at each other and say, let's go get the man a drink. And they go get the man a drink. And he comes back and they hand him the water. And he takes it and he pours it out on the ground. What would you think? But if you very, dude, yeah, really? You're like, well, at least give us a drink. Or, or they might have said, we went ahead and had a drink while we were down there at the well. By the way, you can, have, you can pour yours out. But it, it kind of tells you a little bit about David's character, but it also kind of is one of those crazy stories in Scripture that you ask for a drink from Bethlehem. We got you a drink. And then you dumped it out. Now notice his reasoning. Notice what it says. It says, so the three mighty warriors in verse, uh, verse 16, they broke through the Philistines' line, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, carried it back to David. But when he refused to drink it, instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Look at verse 17. He says, far be it from me, uh, Lord, to do this. He said, is it not the blood of men who went to risk their lives and David would not drink it? Such were the exports, uh, exploits of these three mighty warriors. In other words, these three dudes were in the habit of doing this kind of stuff all the time. They were the Navy SEALs of, th of David's 30 mighty warriors. 
They were the guys that always went first. They were headed to the battle. They were going to make their drive. So uh, here's what I want you to do. When we think about Bethlehem, don't just think of little town of Bethlehem. It's all through Scripture. Plus, I want y'all be the smartest guys in your life group or your home group. That when we, someone in the next couple of days starts saying, you know, Bethlehem, you can say, you know, that's the place where David poured the water out in the cave. And they're like, what are you talking about? And they will think you are the smartest dudes in the world. Or you just say, you know, that's where, that's where Jacob's pretty wife died. We don't know where the ugly one died. That's the way we would say it here at Cottonwood Creek, right? I want you to know these things, all right? But we're not stopping there because we do have to get to the New Testament. So fast forward. Just 700 years before Christ, David is dead, Saul is dead, Jacob is dead, everybody is dead. Things don't look good. And Bethlehem, kind of a place of exile. And God shows up to a prophet named Micah. A little less than 700 years before the birth of Christ. Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Micah says, but you Bethlehem. Now that next little word, Prata, there are really two Bethlehems. You can pull it up. One's more in the northern part of Israel and this one is down in the southern. This is identifying the Bethlehem, the place. Could have left it off. Everybody knew because Micah talked about David and talked about the, the kingly city. So they, everybody would have known. But he wanted to even be more specific. He goes, and just FYI, the one that's about five miles southwest of Jerusalem is what he's saying. He goes, but from you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one for me who will be ruler over all of Israel whose origins are from old, from ancient times. If you want to underline those last few, uh, few words, from old and from ancient times, that is a Hebrew idiom for eternity past. It says that child that's going to be born in Bethlehem is from old days. He's saying, not, not just from the days of David, not just from the days of Saul, not just from the days of Jacob, not even from the days of Adam and Eve. He's from, from the days before there were days. A child is going to be born in Bethlehem. 700 years, Bethlehem loses its luster. Children of Israel come back and rebuild a little temple that's not as massive, it's not as beautiful as the first temple. Some of the people are discouraged about it. Their hearts are a little downtrodden. Uh, the prophets have to go in and say, listen, guys, just build the temple. And then all of a sudden in the season, the time when um, Jesus is born, children of Israel don't even really rule Jerusalem. The Romans have just cut them a deal and said, listen, you just kind of don't riot and I'll let you have your, uh, have your thing. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is born, Luke chapter 2. We're not going to go there because we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2 all this month. So I'm not going to go there this morning. Then it says, sometime after, 
Jesus' birth. Pick it up in Matthew chapter 2. You know this is when the wise men, the magi come. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod, look at this, verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was greatly disturbed and all of Jerusalem, remember, five miles away, with him. And we had called together all the people and the chief priests and the teachers of the law and asked them where this Messiah was to be born. Look at it, verse 5, in Bethlehem in Judea, this little town, about five miles away, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the nations, the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who is, will shepherd my people Israel. Look at verse 7. So here we've seen Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Bethlehem. Look at verse 7. When King Herod, and this is sometime after Jesus was born, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2 this month, where the, 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 the shepherds uh, go immediately. It says, Then Herod called Magi secretly and found out, the exact time the story appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, make careful search for this child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. How many remember the intervening part of the story? They do find Jesus. The star stops. They are overjoyed. They pre present him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But what takes place? These wise men are warned in a dream. Now listen, Herod... Uh, doesn't really want to worship this guy named Jesus. He wants to kill him. Having been warned by a dream, it says they went back another way. And so notice what Herod's response was. Look at verse uh, 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years of age and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said, listen to this, of the prophet through Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, explain now, who was buried in Bethlehem? Rachel. Rachel weeping for her children, and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So Herod just basically said, after he realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, he says, just go into Bethlehem and the region surrounding it and kill every child that is two years or younger. So guys, Bethlehem, not just a Christmas story. The fulfillment of God saying, just keep an eye on this place. Keep an eye on this place. Keep an eye on this place. Sometimes it looks better than others, but keep an eye on this place. Guys, here's how I want to close with you. You might feel like today you've lost your luster. But I want you to know, I think God still looks at everyone in this room. and says, keep an eye on this guy. I'm going to do something special someday. It may have lost its luster, but God still has a plan, regardless of how bleak things look. Be Bethlehem where God shows up and 
good times and bad. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the men here. Just the opportunity to hang out with them and just survey scripture about what all took place in Bethlehem. And I still could have gone on with more. God, if there's a man here online or in person that feel like feels like they've lost a little luster, that they can know that you still have a plan for them and their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless. Have a great day, guys. Go tear it up. Thanks for listening to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.